everybody. It's time to roll for intent with Creator's Corner. And we have something that people have been waiting for for damn near a year, I would say. <laughs> when did this playtest come out? Last Gen I'd Con? Probably over a year because the playtest came out in Gen Con, but the announcement was at PaizoCon, I think. Uh, I know the information released, I believe, was Gen Con like four. That's when it came out as far as like the playtest. Everyone could look at it. And of course, right, we yeah. are talking about. Rage of Elements and the Kineticist class. A much sought after 1E transfer over to 2E. Yeah, it's um really interesting how they kept the core of the class without keeping some of the more advanced mechanics from 1E that turned a lot of people off because it was very much a push your luck class back in 1E. It was very easy to, to play yourself hard playing a Kineticist in 1E. I will say, I think the Kineticist has one very great thing. I mean, it's a good class. I've read through this thing. It's solid. But I will say the all of the immigrants over from 5E that are like, I want to play a warlock. What's the best way to do that? And I was like, well, kind of a witch. <laughs> like, no, the Kineticist very much has a warlock play style to it. Theming wise, say- the witch is... The witch is more warlock theme wise, but actual mechanics and play, the kineticist is almost exactly where the warlock is. Kineticist with witch archetype, right? There. Yeah, I mean, you you easily right could do there. it, but I also don't know many people that were like playing the warlock because ah, I love having this patron. They just wanted magical blasting. <laughs> yeah, this works for magical blasting. Uh, it, it's fun, but I kind of want to talk about a couple other things that are ancillary to the class, which is. Spoilers, what we're going to talk about today, primarily, we're going to at least have one other episode that's about the other mechanics in this book, but this one, the meat and potatoes are going to be what everybody really cares about here, honestly, which is the class. But I want to talk about a couple ancillary things before we get started, because this is the first book, rules book, not a settings book, released since the announcement of the remaster. As such, it's using some of the terminology that's planned for the remaster or that has already been earmarked for the remaster. And there's a little sidebar in the table of contents that describes what they've done in here to facilitate those changes. Primarily a couple just naming convention changes like flat-footed no longer is flat-footed. Despite how alliterative it is, it is now considered off-guard. We don't have ability scores anymore. Everything's based on modifiers, so you're... Plus one, plus two, plus three, yada, yada. I will say that change is phenomenal because I have taught a lot of people to play this game and ability scores and the transfer over to modifiers made zero sense to new players. And they don't make sense. They're just a holdover from original D&D. And the problem is, is when you're trying to teach something and to, to a new person and they immediately encounter something they do not understand, it puts them off because, well, I don't even understand this and you're just trying to show me this new game. So it really makes them bristle about continuing when there's this weird thing that makes no sense. So I'm so glad they removed that. <laughs> the only thing I'm a little worried about is like, how do you translate that when you get above 18? Right. OK, well, we have to do two skill boosts to. Uh, make the modifier. I haven't seen an updated character sheet, but I imagine there's going to be like a little thing that you fill in that says, oh, I've gotten one boost. I need the second one in order to get the plus one after level 18. I'm a little worried how that's going to be tracked and how you mentally track that. Because for me, it's easy to be like, oh, I have a, you know, a 19 strength or whatever. 
I don't have a plus five to my strength yet. It's only a plus four. I have to get a 20 to get a plus five. So I, I don't know how they're going to handle that. That's the only thing that I feel like it's a little weird is once you get above 18, how are we tracking what our modifier is without having that base attribute? I'm sure somebody smarter than me that has figured that one out yet in a way that makes sense, though. Yeah, I, I suspect it at the end of the day, it really won't be a, a big an issue. People will either be doing it electronically through their foundries, through their path builders, or it'll be done on paper where someone will write a 0.5 or a plus or underline it or something. So at the end of the day, I don't feel that it's really going to slow much down or cause too much to say, OK, after you're at plus four you need two boosts to hit plus five and plus six and plus seven, so on and so forth. Yeah, it's just having a backer value that did make sense with that was easy. Like, I don't think it's game breaker, but it's the only weird thing I think about the change that I found so far. Uh, no more alignment. You can follow holy or unholy, or you can consider yourself holy or unholy if you follow a deity that supports holy or unholy. But we don't have law and chaos anymore as far as i can tell in the game we'll get more data about that when the remaster actually comes out uh no more methods we've got elemental scamps change the languages of the planes to stuff that sounds very much more plane themed pyrrhic and uh, you you jumped over components uh for spells, there are no more components listed as in when you list your actions and then it says verbal somatic material. There are now traits. There is going to either be the manipulate trait or the concentrate trait or both. But they are now traits under the spell heading. And when you list a spell, it simply tells you how many actions it takes. Like that whole little bar under a spell's identity has been yanked out. I wonder how that's going to happen. Like, are they going to have the, the bits? And I haven't looked at this because... Uh, I just hadn't gotten to that part in the book. What about things that that are verbal and have modifiers based on verbal trait? Like if you're strangling somebody, they have to make a higher they have to make a higher DC. Like if you're using a wrestler and you strangler strangle somebody, there is a DC check if it's a verbal spell that they have to bypass. If we don't have verbal anymore, then how what is that keyed off of? No idea. <laughs> Fun because yeah, nothing. Literally nothing mentions it, but again, if it doesn't mention, if it doesn't have manipulate and it doesn't have concentrate, then I'm assuming you're like, yeah, there's unless an ability just flat out says you're being choked, so you have to make a flat check to cast a spell. I mean, maybe yeah, it'll just be something like that. It outright says that anything that has a verbal component, you have to make a flat check to, to cast it. And also so, there's the whole rules about um, drowning and suffocation, that if you use a verbal spell... Um, uh, there is a thing in here. It actually just says when you cast a spell, it doesn't say anything because under some, one of the water kineticist abilities, there's this whole thing about drowning. And it does mention in there that you can uh, when you cast a spell, because it gives you this ability to kind of breathe underwater and you can cast a spell while underwater and the amount of time you have goes down. It doesn't deplete completely. So it just said cast a spell. So maybe it's going to be all spells are assumed to have a verbal component. I don't know. Yeah, that changes a lot of stuff. I never even really thought about that as a change, but that changes quite a few things. It feels like to me, specifically if you're trying to like stealthy spells and things like that. I'm excited to see what the remaster does for it. We don't need to get too far into the weeds more than we already have on that one, though. Too late. Get the weed eater. Too late. We have to go back. They changed, they changed some names of things in the planes because they were tied to 
OGL stuff. Uh, spell rank now replaces spell level, uh, which, thank God, I was, spell level was the thing that when I first got into TTRPGs, like, first got into first edition Pathfinder, and then into second edition, I can't tell you how many times I've asked Christian, like, is there a rule of thumb to tell me, like, what spell level I'm at based at my level and based on my class? Do I have to look at the stupid table every time? I just couldn't grok it. I hated it. Um, and just even replacing them with ranks at least separates the two constructs in my mind for me. Yeah, when you're so many things that are like, oh, plus one levels, you're like, wait, spell level or character level? Wait, what are you talking about? <laughs> no more spell schools. Take that as you will. I'm watching curiously with what they do with that. Uh, there's no more positive and negative. It's vitality and void for positive damage and negative damage, respectively. And Wish is now a ritual. A ritual? Ridges. Wish is now a ritual rather than a level 10 spell. Which I, <laughs> wishes I have like widges. <laughs> wishes have widges. It holds all the wish flavors. And they have replaced the wording of attack of opportunity with reactive strike. I didn't even see that in this list. I'm blind. I was going to say you skipped over the R section then. <laughs> There it is. I can't read ours, folks. That's it. I can't read ours. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, that's class. just a wording change because Attack of Opportunity has been a d and staple for many editions now. So in this book, it's not just the class. There's a bunch of uh, flavor, which I love the flavor in this book. It's really, really great. And we'll talk about that in the future. Uh, we have a few... Uh, additional mechanical components so there are some changes to an existing archetype we get obviously the kineticist dedication we get a bunch of new animal companions that are elemental related fun stuff like that we get uh new versatile heritages and revamps of extant versatile heritages specifically the genikin and there is a large section on each of the planes and included in there are like a, a mini bestiary of planar specific monsters and then items and things that are specific to those planes. But we've got enough stuff to talk about with the kineticist that we could take up a whole hour. So we probably should get into it because there's a lot. Yeah. And each section of the elements, too, uh, has a big section of uh, spells. So your air, earth, fire, water, wood, metal, they have uh, numerous spells, and each of them has two new cantrips. Uh, the majority of them are arcane and primal. There are a couple of divine and occult, but the, the lion's share is arcane and primal. So uh, this is going to be a fantastic book for arcane and primal spellcasters. You know, your druids and sorcerers and wizards and all that jazz. The, and the cantrips are pretty fun. I mean, they, they have some really neat stuff in here. Uh, more reaction spells, which is good. I definitely think that's something that's kind of been missing out for spellcasters to be able to reliably use their reactions. So, yeah, when we get to those sections, those are going to be pretty interesting. But each one of them has got a ton of information for players. So very, very cool. Absolutely. So, so I think these folks probably want to hear about the kineticists. Probably. So our key modifier is back to Constitution, just like it was in 1E, that gives us the first con-backed class in Pathfinder 2nd Edition. Right, Christian? I'm not, like, 
forgetting something <laughs> fundamental nope, here. You, like an you idiot. are correct. First, thank as God, your primary I make so many is, things like that. It's like it's wrong. It's caught. You're wrong. Shut <laughs> up. So yeah, your your standard kineticist is going to start with about twelve hit points per level. <laughs> so that'll be keep nice. them on a a, a good boy. good range. Absolutely. Uh, you're trained in perception, expert in fort and reflex and trained in will. Uh, definitely going more towards the attuned with the physical world rather than like mentally attuned. And then we have uh, you're trained in nature. You get three additional skills and then trained in simple and unarmed attacks, trained in light armor and unarmored and then trained in the kineticist class DC. And Everything runs off of the Kineticist class DC and basically what would be a spell attack roll. So that's that's your bread and butter weapons. I can't imagine Kineticist really ever using weapons. There's almost no need to with one or two exceptions, depending on what happens when you've been swallowed whole. But other than that, I think you're you're pretty good to go with your elemental oh, powers. Swallowed whole. It's always wise to build your character completely around the prospect of being swallowed whole. Hey, you, here first, folks. What, you, you, you may laugh, but the first time you get swallowed whole and you're like, oh, God, I, I can't do anything. <laughs> so your first choice is your kinetic gate. And this in the playtest, there was a whole slew of different options you could choose in this. This is now either a single gate or a dual gate. And these are pretty self-explanatory with the single gate. You're going to get two uh, bonus impulse feats there. And the kineticist class feats are divided into actual kineticist feats and then impulse feats. Impulses purely modify your element where the kineticist feats are more general for the class itself. And as you go up your, your feet, you get every other level. Those are... Both of these are kineticist feats, but the impulse feats, there are many things that specifically say you get an impulse feat, not a actual class feat. But here you choose one element, you get two impulse feats for that element, and then you also get an impulse junction. This is a special ability. It takes place whenever you use an element or an impulse that is two actions or more. So if you're using one action, it doesn't take effect. But if you're using two actions, it typically takes place after the impulse. However, there are many of them that in their wording specifically say it can be before or after or before. So you really just have to look at each one to see what it does. Yeah, just for a real quick overview of a couple of these, like, for example, air, your impulse junction is you can either stride up to half your speed or step. And if you have a fly speed, you could fly half your speed instead. Uh, for fire, you can increase the die size of fire damage dealt by the impulse that activated this by one step. Wood, you get temp HP equal to your level that lasts until the start of your next turn. So it's a lot of little utility things that are a little extra sprinkled in that you get whenever you uh, launch a two-action impulse to kind of give you that offset of, well, I'm using two whole actions to do this thing. Give you a little extra oomph when you use it. And then when you hit dual gate, you can choose two elements. And when you do so, you choose one impulse for each of the elements. With this, you do not gain the impulse junction. You can gain them later. So it's not like you have to go with a single gate to get this. You just are going to be delayed to when you can get your impulse junction. 
So we no longer have gather element like we have from the playtest. We have channel elements. It's effectively the same thing. And the entirety of everything your class does, for the most part, is focused on having channeled your element and having it at your disposal. Whenever you channel your element, you start your kinetic aura. And having your kinetic aura active is, is what keys off a lot of different things. In addition to, you simply have to have uh, your element channeled in order to use an impulse, period. And Christian noted, before we started recording, there's really no reason you would ever want to turn this off. It turns off if you're knocked out, or if you dismiss it, or if you use an overflow impulse, which we'll get to in a bit. But otherwise, it's it can stay on forever. So if you're exploring in something... Unless for RP reasons, or, you know, you really want to hamper yourself, really try hard. You can just keep this sucker going all the time, I feel like. Yeah, this isn't like, you know, rage or some other ability you have to turn on at the beginning of a fight. This is something that's assumed that most likely you're going to have it on. Truly, this comes up when you're using your overflow impulses that drain your elements that you have around you, and then you have to bring them back with channel elements. And when you do use channel elements, it's a single action. You can also choose to use a one-action elemental blast or a one-action stance impulse. You're probably not always going to want to use that one-action elemental blast, but the option is there. And it creates a kinetic aura in a 10-foot emanation around you. Uh, This is important because as we get a little later, you'll find there are abilities that will give your aura effects. And some of them are pretty cool. Actually, all of them are pretty cool. Um, Afterwards, you know, there's a section here covering your impulses, their keywords. Uh, The biggest thing to take from this is you have uh, an overflow ability. Uh, This is very, very much the same from the playtest. Whenever you use an impulse that is has the overflow trait, it drains your elements and you're going to have to channel elements again so that you can start using it. Uh, from my understanding, this is unlike the other uh, in the playtest. It, it only drained one element. Your elements are drained when you use overflow. I believe when you have your aura, your channel elements and your kinetic aura is up. I may be wrong, but I don't remember reading anything that says like, oh, it just drains one element if you only have one element. I'm pretty sure that this completely drains you and then you have to start over. Of course, the big thing we have here is the Elemental Blast, and this is a one or two action ability, has the attack trait, it's an impulse, kineticist, primal, and pretty much everything for the kineticist is primal-oriented because it's nature. And with this blast, you either choose to do it as a melee or a ranged. I know there was a lot of talk in the, how it was set up in the playtest that you're like, oh no, when you do a melee, this is going to trigger the reactive strike. Well, they got rid of that. Nothing in the elemental blast itself procs reactive strike. However, if you're using it as a ranged attack, range attacks proc reactive strike and melee attacks don't. So they've actually just fallen back to the wording of the type of attack. So if you're going to use this as a melee attack, you're fine. If you're going to use it as a range attack, that would actually incur the reaction. If you use this as a two-action blast, as opposed to a one-action, you get a uh, damage bonus equal to your con mod. 
Yeah, the the one action version is you do the listed damage. Uh, air and fire are both a D6. And then earth, metal, wood, water are a D8. And then they all have a listed range, which air and fire have a range of 60 because they're less damage. All of the others have a range of 30. So if you're using this as a melee, you do get your strength. So if you use this as the one action melee and you were using earth and you wanted to make a, an earth fist around yourself and just punch someone with it, that would deal 1d8 plus your strength. If you use it as the two action version, you get to add your con to it. So now it would be 1d8 plus your strength plus your con. So this very much kind of fits into this model of like the thaumaturge and damage that you're kind of seeing this uh, a weapon damage of a, and then you're getting a plus seven bonus if you're going with like a, a, a plus four con and a plus three strength. You could do that pretty easily as your primary build. So there's it, it's a it's a really good damage dealer. It is not, you know, it's not the barbarian of range casting. I still think the psychic is, you know, they burn bright, but burn quick. They They have that ability to deal more damage. But the elemental blast is it, it scales really well. Uh, unlike most things, this is it scales by your level plus four. So at first level, fifth level, ninth level, you increase the dice. So at fifth level, it's going to two dice at ninth. It's going to three dice capping out at five dice once you hit uh, level 17. So and the kinetics has some real staying power that's you don't have to really worry about running out of things for the day so like in that way they're very much like a standard marshal it's not like well i'm out of impulses i can't gather any more elements you can keep going right that's that's the probably the only thing i'm a little concerned about with the class balance but because that that's how they the way they accomplished that in one e was burn right you know you you churn through all of your your hp and you're out of it you can't do the cool stuff anymore this thing is like the Energizer Bunny of blasting. And that's why I think it's it's going to find its way in pretty much any party, is because they're not going to run out of things to do. Yeah, they'll probably be a little bit lower damage, um, but they don't have to worry about running out. It's not like, all right, well, uh, Bojrim, you've used 14 spell slots today. I guess we got to go home. No, just let's go. I'm good. Let's do it. Let's go. Yeah, there there is no such thing as running out of spell slots with this. They they have the overflow trait, meaning you have to spend one action to gather the elements again. Uh, you will find, as we saw in previous other books that had abilities that you're healing, it simply says you are, you know, the target is immune to this form of healing for 10 minutes. Thusly, you can't just heal everyone back instantly. You You have to take that 10 minutes like if it were a focus point on the champion or something like that. So... Right. There's a lot of uh, things that are like is immune to this thing for X amount of time or a day or an hour or something. So, yes, that does exist. But really and truly, things like that are really limits within a combat, not within an adventuring day. You gain a ability called base kinesis. This is very much like a, 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 a prestidigitation cantrip for the kineticist. And it allows you to do these very minor things. There are other abilities that can augment this later, but to start off with, you know, you can either generate a small amount of your element, you can move a small amount of your element 20 feet in any direction. Uh, you can even bring it, you know, you could bring it to your hand. So if you had metal element and 
there were there was a key you were in a prison cell and there's a key hanging on a wall you could bring that to you as long as you're within 20 feet and then there is a suppressing the element where you can destroy a existing piece of the element and this is typically a you know a very small amount as you level up the ranges get better and the maximum bulk that you can affect increase as well so this is just a level dependent ability but a very fun little thing. I'm glad they added a, this kind of like little prestidigitation effect. Very fun. You know, the classic, oh, the fire kineticist snaps his fingers and creates a little flame and starts lighting candles or something like that. I, I like when they these small things that let you do these not really major game effects, but are just fun flavor for the class. Or the fire kineticist uh, snuffs out all the light in the room before the attack happens. That's a fun one, too. Bye-bye, candle. Bye-bye, torch. Goodbye, campfire. Hello, moon. (laughs) And as we uh, continue down the leveling track, you have all of your standard class stuff of extra skill feats, increasing saves, and things like that. At third level, you get extract element. This is a pretty cool ability. And it functions a a bit differently from the playtest, but you target a creature, and... It has to be made of an, it has to have the trait type matching the element that you have. So if your fire, it has to have fire. If you're water, it has to have water. Now, I'm assuming with the new core bestiary, we're going to see a lot more creatures with these types on them. You know, all of the water elementals will have water type and, you know, metal and and such like that. But if humans don't have the water type, it's just a travesty. We're made of 70% water, y'all. I know. Just be able to gather that element. It'd be a bad day. (laughs) I'm really thirsty all of a sudden. I don't understand why. So you can target a creature within 30 feet. Uh, The target takes 2d4 damage. This is not a typed damage, so they will definitely take it, unless they're resistant to damage just in general. Uh, They make a fortitude save against your class DC. The only way they're completely unaffected by this is if they critically succeed. If they just get a normal success, they take a minus one circumstance penalty to their saves and armor class against your impulses. So you're already getting a bonus, even if they save. If they have a resistance that would apply to your impulse, you ignore that resistance. And if they would be immune, they instead get a resistance equal to its level. So this is a huge change that, you know, even small elementals that are immune to I go to fire because fire is honestly about beforehand was the only one that truly had this, you know, constant damaging effect against fire traded creatures and fire spells and things like that. But, you know, the fire elemental immune to fire, no more. You're fighting a fifth level fire elemental. You use your extract element. All of a sudden it just has resistance five to fire. That's it for you. Very deep shades of the, uh, of the thaumaturge, you know, trying to get bypass resistances with uh, that specific exploit vulnerability modification that allows you to bypass resistances. Very neat. And the really the only difference is, and then if you fail uh, as success with the creature takes full damage, and this again refers to this 2d4 damage that you took, uh, that increases every other level that you gain. And then critical failure as failure, but the creature takes double damage. So this effect that you get on success that is completely unchanged the only way they do not get that is if they critically succeed otherwise they're taking some variation of a bunch of d4 damage 
But the, the true thing your kineticist is after is you're stealing this element so that you can affect them. I have a feeling this will come up, you know, for golems, elementals, dragons. Uh, I think there's plenty of outer planar creatures that carry a lot of these types. Like I said, I'm sure we're going to see a huge increase in these types of creatures in bestiary core. Ele- planar scamps or the elemental scamps. The method was a little scamp. Little scamps. At fifth level, you get what's called a gate threshold. Uh, when you do this, you have two options. Uh, you get it at fifth level and every four levels thereafter. Uh, you can expand the portal and you basically, your gate attunes more precisely for one of your elements. You gain an impulse feat of your level or lower and you can choose a composite impulse. Um, those are abilities that blend two different uh, elements together. There is a list of them of many different various levels, and they specifically say like, okay, this is fire and water or earth and air or all of the different, you know, combinations that are there. There is an element, but they are only ever two. There's not that are three or four. So then uh, you can also choose a gate junction. These are very cool. Every gate junction has four different options. And this is you get either a critical blast effect, you gain elemental resistance, you gain an aura junction, which is just anything in your aura takes this effect. And then you gain a skill junction, which gives you training in a skill and a skill feat. So every element has these. So that's pretty fun and then also you can choose uh with your gate junctions you could also choose to give yourself an impulse junction instead if you did not want to go with any of these gate junctions so that's how you pick up impulse junctions if you started with say a dual gate and then the other option you have when you get your gates threshold is fork the path this is how you add a new element so you add a new element and you gain an impulse feat for that level, but that's all you get when you choose Fork the Path. You don't gain these gate junctions. So there's a lot of options with this class of, are you going to be this juggernaut able to just keep going and wading through these enemies with these really pretty interesting effects, but only a single element, or are you going to be a bit more specialized? And, you know, some of these things like air's the first one, the critical blast effect. If you get a critical hit, you push the target 10 feet. Uh, Elemental resistance, you gain resistance equal to your level, not half your level, but your level against air and electricity. The aura junction is you and any ally that starts to turn in your aura gets a plus 10 foot status bonus to land speed until the end of your turn and fly speed if you have one. And then the skill junction is stealth and the feat you get is experienced smuggler. And then, of course, you can choose the impulse junction if you wish for air. So it's kind of the way it's set up. You are going to get four gate thresholds over your career. One at fifth, nine, 13, 17. So if you focused on a single element, you would be able to get all of its gate junctions and you would also have the impulse junction because you started with it. So truly the only way to unlock everything an element has is you pick that one element. And you have to stick with it the entire time. I stand Earth Element. It's just so good. Fits my playstyle so well. Well, why don't we get into some of the feats? Like, there's not a lot of additional 
you know, we get the standard things that you would get as you go up, like you increased your saves, your uh, your proficiency bonuses for things like your armor, uh, weapon specialization, uh, which your unarmed attacks you have weapon specialization in, which would be your kinetic blast and such. Well, the other interesting thing that you get with all these would be like final gate, where you automatically use your first action in your turn. Um, if your kinetic R isn't active to channel elements for free. So you just get it turned on automatically, which, you know, if you're playing, like I would think most players are going to play, you'll just have it on anyway, as soon as you're not in town or something. You only get hit if it was like a surprise attack at night or something. Uh, but I, I, I dig, it. I guess that one also turns it back on if it gets snuffed out as well. But then we actually get into our, our feats and man, we are, we are going along. We haven't even hit feats. We're in 37 minutes of recording time, Christian. Wow. Oh, man. And I, the one thing I do find a little annoying is the class feats are all really good. So now you're like forced to choose between your impulse feats and your class feats. And you're like, ah. <laughs> so uh, running through this list of feats, uh, there's Elemental Familiar, which is basically like an uh, normal familiar, but it is a elemental uh, extended kinesis. When you use your base kinesis, there is a, a bunch of expanded abilities that you can use. It's pretty cool. You know, there's some fun stuff in there. Uh, versatile blast is really good. Uh, you get to add an additional damage type when you use your elemental blast. So uh, for air, you can choose at you can choose it to be cold damage for earth. You can now choose to be poison for fire. You also could choose cold. Metal, you can choose electricity, water, acid, and wood poison. So this is a way for you to open up your damage types. So very fun. I think, honestly, though, this does have a feat that is almost a requirement for every kineticist, and that is the first level weapon infusion. This is a free action, and every time you use your um, elemental blast, you can basically add traits to your blast. If you're using it as a melee weapon, now this doesn't change the damage, but you kind of make this attack look like whatever weapon you want. So very but good when too. you use it, yeah, these are crazy. When you use it for melee, you can add agile, backswing, forceful, reach, or sweep. You can only add one of them, but you know, for that ability to add agile to your next attack, if you choose or reach because you want to stay one space away from the enemy. Oh, so good. And the range is even better because before your elemental blasts are either, um, you know, they either are 60 or 30 feet. They can't go any further because this is like a spell range. It's not like a range increment. Well, this you choose, make this like a range weapon. You can choose one of three options. And this is every time you use your blast. You can give yourself a range increment of 100 feet with the volley 30 feet trait. You can give it a range increment of 50 feet with the propulsive trait. Or you can give it a range increment of 20 feet with the throne trait. I mean, this feat is almost an absolute necessity for every kineticist. I mean, it's just ridiculous not to for the ranged abilities alone for propulsive and throne because oh if they're within God. 20 feet you now get to add your strength modifier back or propulsive you get to add half your strength modifier so yeah you're just giving away damage if you do not take this feat and 
it's unfortunate because there are so many good feats with the kineticist, but this one is just like a, yeah, it's a must. <laughs> yeah, you absolutely, you really have to, unless you're just going to be like utility kineticist. If you plan on doing damage in any capacity, it's kind of silly not to take that feat. It's closest thing you got to a feat tax on this guy. I feel like we're going to see a lot of human kineticists just to capitalize on that extra absolutely. feat. <laughs> absolutely. Um, Voice of Elements gives you all of the uh, languages of the kinetic element that you have. Um, so like the plane, the planar speech. Um, you can communicate even with the mindless elementals from those planes. And uh, plus two circumstance to charisma-based skill checks against elementals of one of your kinetic elements. So, you know, diplomacy, uh, intimidate, deception, things like that. It's neat. Uh, it could be useful if you're doing a, a campaign with planar travel, just like a kineticist would just be great if you're doing a campaign with planar travel, period, you know? And that's a that's a second level. Yeah, so we have uh, command element, which is very much like command undead, where you can attempt to command an elemental. Uh, we have safe elements that you're allowed to... Uh, basically help your party with some of the elemental damage uh, counter element, which is you can use your ability to counter spells of that elemental trait. Uh, the one I do want to touch on really quick, because I feel like this is almost a little bit of a witch preview. Fearsome familiar, a six level feat. This is a three action ability. Your uh, familiar trades places with an elemental from its elemental plane. This creature basically has to be no greater than your level minus four, but it is a feat that allows you to simply summon an elemental, replacing your familiar with this creature. And fun, cool, uh, you know, so so for the kineticist, but really looking at this, I feel like, okay, this is. I, I like what I'm seeing here because I feel like this is stuff we're going to see on the witch as well. Absolutely. This ability to augment your familiar and do these things with it. So really fun. I looked at this. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is going to be really cool on the witch. <laughs> uh, two element infusion allows you to kind of mix your damage type uh, when you do a uh, blast. If you have multiple gates. So you can say this much of it is this type of damage as much as this type of damage. Good for bypassing resistances or kind of covering your bases. It's a neat one. The um, eighth level, we get elemental overload. Uh, this is a good feat because if you want to focus on one element, or I'm sorry, elemental overlap, uh, when you take this feat, you can only have one element. What it does is it allows you to pick up one of the composite impulses as long as your element is one of the listed elements. So I do really like the fact that they have included a way that if you want to focus on one element, that you can still pick up some of these composites. So very fun. I very, very much appreciate that. Aura shaping at 10th level, uh, you can change your kinetic aura's size anywhere from a 5-foot to a 20-foot em emanation at a multiple of 5. Uh, you choose a size when you channel elements, and you can change it when you use a Stenz impulse. You can increase the maximum size up to 30 feet when you get to 20th level, though. I feel the next one, Chain Infusion, is like another one of those that every kineticist is going to pick up. And this is when you hit with your Elemental Blast, you can target another creature within the range of your elemental blast from that creature. So it can just jump from target to target. And as long as you succeed in your attacks, which do incur your multiple attack penalty, you can jump up to five possible targets with this ability. 
So this is, yeah, this is going to be a super fun one, especially when you're dealing with like a, a lower level encounter, weaker creatures. Yeah, you could just bounce this sort of like your own mini chain lightning that just hits from creature to creature to creature. So very cool. Uh jump up a little bit uh, because there's a lot of these. I mean, we still haven't even gotten into the elemental impulses. 16th level Imperious Aura. It's a free action whenever you... Um, whenever your turn begins, you can use a stance impulse that affects your aura if your aura is active. You just get it for free. So if you need to modify to another stance impulse to, to change your aura for some reason, you can just do it for free at the beginning of every turn. Pretty pretty slick. Uh, we do see a couple of feats here, too, that allow you to swap out impulse feats, you know, per every day when you do your daily preparations. So uh, there's that, too, because there are so many of those. Don't feel like you have to be locked down into them. You know, we kind of saw the same thing with the summoner. They have an ability to kind of rebuild their idol in a little bit with some feats. So the kineticist is also they have the ability to sort of swap out some of their impulse feats that they have chosen as they go along the way. So a lot there. All right. So that's pretty much what we're going to be for our actual kineticist feats. And this class, I mean, I know the other books each had like two classes in them with uh, secrets of magic, guns and gears, uh, the dark archive, the kineticist. There's only one class here because the kineticist takes up the space of two classes. When you look at the page count and everything they have, this is easily two classes worth of stuff. It's 11 pages before we touch any of the elemental impulses. And each elemental impulse is yeah. at least two pages, if not more. So unfortunately for you guys, we're breaking up the class into just the kineticist here. And next time we are going to hit these actual elemental impulses. So yeah, we're going to be on Rage of Elements for numerous episodes of Creator's Corner. Right? I can see us actually doing some week by weeks for a while. It's going to be nice. I know. And who knows right? what announcements are going to come out of Gen Con, which Trevor and myself will be there. So if you happen to be in the area, come track us down. You can come on down to our Discord at rollforintent.com slash Discord if you really, really want to find us and uh, ping us. And we'll we'll track you down. We'll find a place to meet. I don't think we have much of anything scheduled other than, you know, having a good time. Well, I think that about wraps us up for today. So as usual, I'm Christian. And I'm Trevor. And you'll have a great week. Bye, y'all. <laughs>